Um, good morning, everyone. It is so lovely to see you this morning. Um, and nice to be sitting under the um, not twinkling, but fairy lights. Um, and today is the last Sunday of the, of the liturgical church year, um, often known as Christ the King Sunday. Um, and as we kind of round out the year, so this is from like beginning of last December, so beginning of end of this November, um, I just want to let us take a moment to think. In some ways, this for the church is like New Year's Eve. And next week, we start a new church calendar, which is like New Year's Day. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of Psalm 73. And the very last verse of Psalm 73 says, As for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And that would be a great thing to be able to say at the end of the year. It's good to be near God. I've made God my hiding place, my refuge, my shelter. And I'm going to tell of his deeds. And so this morning as we gather together, as we gather into the presence of God, as we gather in Worship through song and through prayer and through hearing God's word. I pray that this would be a place and a space where you get to experience the goodness of being near God and being near one another. I invite Sheena to come forward and read us God's word today. Today's reading is from, jo is from St. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 17, the healing at the pool. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored covered colonnades. There, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. 
In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work in this through this very day, and I too am working. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sheena. So we continue, uh, we're drawing to a close in the series of Men of Faith, just one more um, next week um, as we conclude and finish it um, up then. But so far we've looked at um, some of these men through the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. We've looked at Noah, how Noah walked with God, who was faithful and obedient. Joseph and his perseverance, even whenever the circumstances and the trials around him came, he was, um, his perseverance shone through. Uh, he waited for the moment whenever he could look back and say, God, everybody else has done this for evil, but you had reserved this for good. Moses, when he saw his courage and the fact that he wanted and couldn't go any further without God's presence, he was unwilling to go anywhere or do anything without God being present with him. Gideon, the fact that he, he, he received strength in his weakness, even though he felt he was the weakest of the weak in the whole of the nation of Israel, that he received strength as a mighty man of valor. And Stephen, the first uh, into the New Testament, the first uh, martyr for the Christian faith, the first disciple of Jesus to be killed because he would not renounce his faith in Jesus, um, his boldness and his sacrifice. And last week, uh, we looked at Pontius Pilate, uh, the responsibility um, not to waver. Um, that sense that he wasn't necessarily the character that we would momentarily go to and say, let's look at Pontius for a man of faith. But actually, there is things that we can glean and learn from all of the characters and all of the stories through all of the scriptures. And from Pilate, we learned that we need to take responsibility for our own words and our own actions. And in that responsibility, we're not to waver whenever we are confronted with Jesus. And our decision of what we do with Jesus, what you do with Jesus, is the most important decision that you will probably carry in the whole of your life. And today, we come to look at this uh, man at the pool, the man with no name, the man who was hidden in plain sight. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that we can receive strength even in the midst of our weakness. And no matter what circumstances we find around us today, we know that with your strength and your grace, we can persevere through them. So help us to take responsibility for ourselves and for our own actions. We might not waver in what it is that you are calling us to today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. There are many characters in the Scriptures that we will recall by name. And we've said before from this very space that names are really important. Um, if someone remembers your name, um, you sit back and you think, oh, they remembered me. Um, names are important because they bring significance. Often they carry meaning um, into us. And sometimes they're passed through the generations so the lineage would continue. And so even those passages in the Scripture that are just simply lists of names are really important passages because they show us the lineage of the individuals, the power that is held uh, within a name. But there are often also many characters and many stories in the Scriptures where those individuals don't have any names. This man has no name. He is simply known as the man who sat at the pool. Um, no name. He appeared to live his life in obscurity. You'll have heard that read as Sheena read through that, you'll have heard it, 
he, he said to Jesus, you know, there are many people, but there's nobody here to help me. There are many people around me. And the image of that being a pool that was, the water would stir every so often. And people would uh, believe that the first person into the pool after it stirred would be healed of whatever it is that was holding them back. Whatever disease they had would be instantaneously gone. And there's a part actually that says, I suppose, if that's what people believed, it must actually have been happening otherwise. After a number of times of somebody going in and back out again and it not happening, they went, nah, not much point in that, is there? So actually, this moment where there are lots of people gathered around this pool, lots of people who wanted to get into it so they could be healed, but from the inference that he's making, lots of other people who are there with their friends, their family, to help those individuals into the pool first. So you can almost imagine whenever the water begins to stir, this kind of mad rush of people trying to run to get into it, to be the first to dip their toes in it, jostling in the crowd. So this man was hidden in plain sight. He was there all the time. Always there, but never seen. I think that's a significant phrase for us today. Always there, but never seen. Because sometimes maybe that's how you feel. So chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, verse 5 says this. One who was there uh, had been an invalid for 38 years. He was hidden in plain sight. Whatever this disability that gave him the label of being an invalid was for 38 years. Now the Greek here that translates that word into English as invalid um, means something slightly more general. It means someone who's disabled, paralyzed, lame, extremely weak. It's kind of a catch-all phrase or term uh, for a a life-limiting ability. And this was for 38 years. That's a long time. That was last century in our context. I heard somebody recently um, on social media um, who had found an old tape recorder, um, got a cassette tape and was putting it in and was showing today's generation how to use it. Uh, Playing music that came from the late 1900s. And I had to go, hold on a minute. That's the music I grew up with. You can't say that came from the late 1900s and I explained to somebody how to use those things. Those things were all... And then you suddenly begin to realise that you're getting older, that time begins to move on. But yet, vividly in our memories, we can think back to 10, 15, 20, 30, 38, 40. People are still nodding 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years ago. And we can recall those memories that we hold for ourselves and for our family. So you can only imagine the memories that this man recalls as he sits at this pool on a daily basis trying to rush in 
as the water is stirred. How many times had he tried to do that before? How many times had he failed to do that before? But verse 6 says, Whenever Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was wrong. Jesus knows us intimately and abidingly. And there's significance in this. Note the question that Jesus asked. Now he's walked up to somebody who's been in this condition for 38 years, who's sitting at a pool trying to get in to be healed, and he says, do you want to get well? It's a really strange question, doesn't it? I suppose it's like us visiting a GP and the GP saying, do you want to get better? Would you like some medicine to get better? And you almost go, why do you think I'm here? Like, that's why I'm visiting you. Because I believe that you have the knowledge to do that. And so whenever Jesus says to this man, do you want to get well? It seems the strangest, oddest question because the immediate reaction would be, yes, of course I do, Jesus. Note the man's response to that question. His response was not what I just said. Yes, of course I do, Jesus. His response is found in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool whenever the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Rather than simply saying, yes, I want to get well, can you help me? The man shifts responsibility and blame to everybody else for his situation. It's somebody else's fault that I find myself still here. Every time I try to get up, they knock me down. Every time I try to rush to the pool, somebody gets there before me. Every time I get up, no one even tries to help me. But in fact, whenever Jesus says, do you want to get well? The simple answer would have appeared to have been yes. I wonder, does that apply into your lives, which you're included today? And not just in that sense of a healing moment, but in the sense of whenever God is speaking to us and we are giving nothing back but excuses. And so in verse 8, we find this long-awaited moment. Then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. That must have been a really powerful moment for the man. Even though he hadn't said he wanted to be healed, Jesus is stepping into the situation, and he is doing it. It's a long-awaited, it's a moment of bringing freedom into that place of captivity for that individual. It's a moment that also starts, changes a, a, a thought process within this individual, this unnamed man of placing responsibility onto someone else. And as we'll see later on in this passage, 
he begins to declare what it is that Jesus has done for him, and now that he is well. And verse 9, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. It does what it says in the tin, they steal the phrase from an older advert that were run in the late 1900s. Um, just one touch from the king changes everything. It does what it says on the tin. And yes, preacher included, there are lots of questions around that. There are lots of questions around why did this individual be healed and not me? Why did this individual be healed and not someone who I know and who I love? Why did this individual be healed and not everybody else at the pool? <laughs> See, first hand. Jesus then gives him instructions. The day on which took place, he, Jesus gave him instruction first night. Once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. And verse 10 tells us that on the day which just took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man, who, has, who had been healed? It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you from carrying your mat. You'd nearly think they should have been rejoicing, don't you? You nearly think they should have been running and skipping. That must be the new way to exercise in Lisburn, actually. I, I, I've noticed a few people skipping down the Belsize Road. I'm not sure if you've noticed that or not. Um, yeah, with headphones on and actually skipping uh, all the way. Um, an interesting movement. Um, watch out, you never know what you might see me. Then. No, 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 no. Um, but this, this sense that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders of the Jews weren't rejoicing that the man was healed. Moment of condemnation, moments of judgment. Why are you doing that? It's the Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing that in this moment. They ask him a question. If it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you carry your mat. It's more of an explanation than it is a question. But the man replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Again, he hasn't quite learned to take responsibility for his own space. He's saying, not my fault I'm carrying my mat on Sunday or on the Sabbath. It's him over there told me to do it. But here's the thing. None of the Old Testament law None of the Mosaic law did not specifically prohib, prohibit the carrying of such an innocuous activity as carrying a mat on a Sabbath. It was the add-ons from the religious leaders. They had added that in. So whenever Jesus declared, get up, take up your mat and walk, he was not telling the man to go against anything that his faith and his law would have taught him to that point. But Jesus was challenging the religious leaders who he knew would come at the man and eventually come at him. Because the law did not prohibit such an activity. It was an add-on over the years 
by the same religious leaders. If you read on uh, into this uh, through verse 11, 12, 13, 14, you'll see that the man was willing to declare what happened to him. Even if he quite couldn't quite understand it. Uh, if you, you can almost hear some of those things in his words. Who is this fellow? I don't know who he was. He, he told me I was healed. I was to get up and walk. It's as if I, I don't even understand what's going on. I, I know I'm able to do it, but I can't quite understand it. But I'm willing to declare that it has now happened to me. And actually, sometimes we can't quite understand what it is that God's doing with us, through us, and in us. But we need to be willing to declare that God is at work. That God is present with us and is at work in this place. Then we come to one of the, probably not the most, but it is quite misused or twisted verses in the Scriptures. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Over a number of years and decades and centuries, some church teaching seems to have said that you're in a place where your life-limiting circumstances are because you have sinned and are a punishment for those sins. I read something slightly different in this context. The man sees Jesus again. Jesus knows that he's been healed because he's done it. The man knows that he's been healed. The man has now found freedom and is in a different space. He's no longer life-limiting beside a pill. He's no longer at that point where he should be blaming other people, where he should be passing the buck to others, where in terms of Pontius Pilate, washing his hands of the situation and saying, it's their fault, not mine. And Jesus is saying, look, you're in a new space. You're in a new place. Get up and start afresh and don't allow whatever it is you're going to do from this point. Stop sinning and get on with your life. Allow this to be a fresh start for you. And that's what Jesus brings to each one of us, isn't it? A fresh start. No matter how far we think we've fallen, no matter how far we think we've drifted from him, he stands open-armed, ready to receive us home. But he will also declare to you and to I, stop sinning. Become holy. Become more like Jesus. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. And the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we walk with Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit is alive in our lives, the more conscious we are of the things that are wrong around us. If you read through verses 15 through to the end, you'll see that it's in this moment, whenever the religious leaders have been challenged by Jesus, both under the cover of Jesus, telling the man to get his mat and walk, and also confronting them with their add-ons. This is the moment where they're building their case against Jesus. This is the moment where they begin to collect the evidence so that Jesus can stand before Pilate eventually and say no comment. He can remain silent. But we know from last week that they're apportioning, the, the Jews tried to apportion blame to Jesus 
but the blame was apportioned in the wrong place and in the wrong way. So quick ways we come to close. What can we take from this unnamed man at the pool today? He had faith to believe. He had faith to believe that Jesus can heal. And as I briefly stated earlier, that question arises, well, why not me? And this is actually a passage that sometimes I refer back to people whenever they ask that question. Why can Jesus heal someone, not me? Why did Jesus walk into the midst of that crowd that was gathered waiting to be healed and only heal one person? I don't have an answer. But in that moment, somebody's life was changed and transformed for good. He had faith to believe that Jesus could heal and he had courage to face the crippling hurts so he could seek freedom. He had courage to face the things around him that he might now walk in freedom. And that's why Jesus was declaring to him, sin no more. There's a fresh and a new start for you today. That is a glorious promise. And if we were We, if we were, <laughs> Shirley's nervous at what's coming. If if we were if we were not reserved Church of Ireland congregation this morning, there would be hallelujahs, amens, and praise you, Jesus, at the good news that He is present with us and that He brings freedom and a fresh start for us today. Isn't that? It is. It is such good news. Let's embrace it today. Let's embrace it together as a congregation, as a parish, as we carry it with us and carry his presence with us into the streets around us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your freedom. And in this moment, we look to you and we give you all the praise and the glory that is due your name that we might show the world what it is that you mean to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's have a final benediction. To God, who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>